Fear the Walking Dead, the podcast, an unofficial discussion of the news and events surrounding Fear the Walking Dead with Quinn Warner, Stephen Payne, and Bruce McGee. I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. I'm Quinn Warner. And this is the Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast, episode one for August 24th. 2015. Welcome back. So, Quinn, what are we talking about this week? All right. Well, uh, last night, the pilot episode finally aired on AMC. Um, I didn't get to watch it when it aired, and I feel bad, but I did get to watch it this morning. <laughs> so, I did get the experience. Well, and, and I, was, I was telling Quinn and Stephen before we got on air that I watched a, a bunch of Walking Dead that they had a marathon on, and then I watched the new show, and, and I've got the zombie flu to start with, because <laughs> on, on one of the seasons, uh, I think when they were in the um, in the jail, they, they had this horrible flu that went around, and, uh, you know, a lot of people died from it and turned you into zombies, uh, and... Uh, so I feel like that's where I am. And then I had nightmares all night about Walking Dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. So what did you guys think about the first episode? Mm, I mean, personally, I think, I mean, with any new television series, uh, the pilot episode is always kind of, like, as a general rule, it's not really going to be very good usually. You don't really have high hopes for pilots, but... Actually, I think that as far as pilot episodes go, this was really, really good. I thought that the acting was really superb. Um, I'm already invested in the characters that they introduced so far, so I'm I'm really excited, actually. Well, you you and I were talking, Bruce, before we went to Mike about the um, the I mentioned the photography, you know, and I like the way they use the, the photography, but also the lighting. They had those kind of sepia tones that they were using this give this image of something that was almost an era of foreboding it was sort right. of surrounding all the all the events as they would unfold and then 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 you had the um the and I guess we'll want to talk about this more later but the kid uh one of the one of the lead characters having the the weird dream and you get there the old convention of the dream vision uh that almost always presages something that's going to happen later on oftentimes something that's very ominous well, is going to happen I mean- he wakes up in the church, the old church, become a shooting gallery for drugs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and finds these dead people, and nobody will believe that he's really seen that because they think it's just you know you were high, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I counted, and I could be wrong, but I counted three zombies last night. I'm assuming that zombie camp will go up. And, <laughs> how you want it to start, like um, with Walking Dead, you had this Rip Van Winkle thing going where he had slept through the zombie apocalypse, and and um, you know he wakes up in a hospital full of zombies and the world is collapsed. So um, you don't get to watch that happen. But what would it look like to unfold? Well, you wouldn't suddenly see thousands of zombies. You would see maybe one. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and then the numbers multiply over a period of time. Sometimes they increase right. geometrically over a period of time. Yeah. Right, we're, because all of a sudden nobody's in school anymore, and we're letting school out early. What's going mm-hmm. on with pops up ahead? And so the tension starts to, you know, the tension at the beginning, besides the kid running away from uh, the first zombie, um, is mostly to do with the family dynamics. Like we've got a drug guy, we've got stepkids from different sides of the family. That don't the blended, the blended family sort of. Right. Motif, yeah. Or, or maybe we might say the not so blended family. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I actually like that. I mean, right off the bat, very first episode, you've got uh, two interracial couples. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. really nice. I know. Uh, and I like that the cast is not like predominantly, overwhelmingly just 
like attractive white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's good to have some diversity, so that'll be really interesting. Mm. Well, and I think that's been one of the critiques of The Walking Dead. Is, um, it tends to be mostly um, straight white people. A bunch um, of European Americans hanging around, yeah, or, or sham- right. shambling around, I guess is the case may be, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they did start right off with a, a nice bit of diversity there. It it fits the the story is set in California, right? So you've right. got some real ethnic and cultural diversity out there that might or might not be the case elsewhere. Um, so it just that that sort of squares with the you know a California setting, I would think. True. But yeah, I think that um, like so far, I think I realized this is like a series about zombies more or less. Like that's probably kind of like the main focus more or less. But I really. I already love the characters. I think that so far, Nick is my favorite character. He's the uh, drug addict, right? Yes. <laughs> and you notice there was a similarity between the beginning of this and the beginning of Walking Dead because they're both passed out and they're both coming to and they're both in zombie world. But Rick mm. in Walking Dead had slept through the zombie apocalypse and this guy just wakes up right in time to be the first witness. And uh, what a thing to wake up to, too, your girlfriend's, like, zombified eating people. That's mm-hmm. intense. Right. <laughs> My girlfriend's a zombie, you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then she just disappears. Yeah, what happened to her? I don't know, but she was gone. Oh. You know, and we talked last week in our introductory episode, episode zero, uh, which is still available if you want to come back and listen to it. Please do. <laughs> we talked about the, the ways that monsters represent stuff in our society. In this first episode, I think the zombies kind of represent drug addicts. You know, it, it seems mm-hmm. to be uh, at that level, and I'm, I'm sh- hoping it will go beyond that, but like this drug addict is the first one to see a zombie and his drug addict girlfriend is the first zombie and then his uh dealer becomes a zombie and mm-hmm. what was what was in that stuff you gave me, uh Right, right. You know, because it's turned my girlfriend As though it's bad as though it's bad drugs, yeah. Right. Which mm-hmm. in some zombie shows it is bad drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think Walking Dead that universe it could be. You saw something else. There was something else really interesting, and I guess was this in one of the previews, like one of the teaser trailers. But anyhow, it showed the the teens looking at the screens of their iPhones, and the police were were gunning this guy down. And you heard people saying, "Look at him! They're just shooting him down!" And it's a nod to all this, you know, out of control police and this police violence and right. that kind of thing. And that's what I took that to be, at least. Except the zombies get back up. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they need to go see if they can get some zombies out there that will get back up and, you know, go after some of those police. Um, I but, that, you know, we have talked about the date, and it's mm-hmm. pretty current to me. Like, it doesn't seem like this is from 10 years ago. These were modern iPhones or mm-hmm. iPhone type yeah. of devices that they were carrying. So you think this is a twenty twenty fifteen setting then, and not think, you know two thousand five or certainly could not be two thousand five because they didn't have iPhones until what two thousand seven, and then they weren't universal initially. What do you yeah. think? I mean, I, it definitely seems like more of a modern setting than I was expecting. So, but um, I think that what you were saying about uh, the zombies representing the. Uh, like drug problems and things like that in this first episode. Something that I really, really like, and I'm probably just this whole time, I'm probably just only going to talk about Nick because I've already followed <laughs> the character. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, he's lying in his hospital bed, talking to his stepfather. Well, not a stepfather yet, but we can kind of assume he's kind of taking on that role more or less. But he's talking to him, and like nobody believes that he actually saw these things. They just think it's drugs. And he doesn't even believe that he saw these things yet. And so he says, like, and I, I apologize for uh, 
ableist language just ahead of time, but he's like, if it wasn't the drugs, then I'm insane, and I don't want to be insane. Right. And that was really interesting, I think, because I think that a lot of times we demonize drug users and things like that instead of uh, really offering to, like, give them assistance and helping them get back on their feet. Right. We'll just arrest them and give them nothing and have them withdraw until they die. So I like I like that aspect a lot. And I I mean I mean I don't know. I hope that Nick survives this entire series. I really <laughs> I really want him to because he like my favorite part about him so far is that he like becomes like an anti hero at the end almost. Like he has this big turning point where he's like trying to get off of the drugs and everything and he's seeing all of these zombie things happening. And then he, like, runs over his drug dealer. It's just, it's so cool. <laughs> right. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> his zombie drug dealer. That's true, that's true. Well, and it's, 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 I mean, bringing this up about the, the people involved in the drug culture, I mean, this is a real, it's another marginalized group, right? I mean, these these are more people that, particularly the powerful, like to demonize. You know, to vilify those, those 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 individuals, and yet they are. And notice how I said that these are individuals who have problems that really require a humane treatment, as in treating this like a public health sort of a crisis, mm-hmm. and not and not not treating these people as as folks who have a failure of will or a failure of morality, or whatever. I mean, these are these are people who have medical problems, and they need to be treated as such with with a humane, compassionate sort of regime. Mm-hmm. Well, and. Um if you think about the choices you make when you're deciding how to ramp up the zombie apocalypse, who would be the first people to see it? Uh, and, oh, yeah. You know, it, it probably would start with marginalized people. You know, they're mm-hmm. the ones mm-hmm. that are separated from normal health care. And, and, right. mm-hmm. uh, and then the police would encounter them, which we see that. Um, and then somebody would put it up on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. and oh, now we know how to kill them. You shoot them in the head. Um, where would you learn that before? Before civilization collapses, it would be the YouTube that that gives you that. Yeah. yeah so it seems it seems right now then that the apocalypse is starting from below and working its way up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it's kind of like movies where uh, it's kind of like apocalyptic movies where there are like natural disasters happening that are threatening to like end the world, and you've got these homeless people on the street that have been labeled as like crazy or insane mm-hmm, by like mm-hmm. privileged white people like us, and they'll be holding signs like "the end is nigh" and "protect yourselves" and things like that. And nobody believes it. I think mm-hmm. that. It's kind of the same way in this kind of zombie apocalypse sort of setting. Everyone in those marginalized groups are going to be saying, like, you know, protect yourself, we've got zombies everywhere, you need to take care of this. And the majority is not going to do anything until we see videos of it on YouTube. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and with, at the risk of sounding ham-handed about this, I mean, we're... To, or behaving, I guess, ham-handedly. Um, where do we see this today? Well, it's you know, you look at environmental disasters in the offing here with with global warming slash climate change. It's going to affect the marginalized communities probably more profoundly uh, than it will everybody else. You know, people as you know, people in these not just the low-lying areas, but again, these communities of color, communities in poverty, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to affect them much more profoundly than it will these privileged people. Well, we are coming up on the 10th anniversary of our own state's apocalypse, which was Katrina. And we watched civilization collapse in New Orleans as local and state governments were overwhelmed, and the federal government kind of stood by and did nothing for several days. Um, And ironically, the people who kept going were those kind of from underclass, they were going out and getting water and food and bringing it back to uh, the Superdome and distributing it. And, uh, you know, what you heard on TV was, oh, they're looting, they're looting, they're running them up. Got to have that martial law, you know. And uh, uh, it seems like, um, and 
you know, this may not be too far from their mind as to, okay, how is how's this going to unfold? What will it look like? And looking at the previews for coming weeks, it looks like they're going to send in the troops, but then mm-hmm. they'll be overwhelmed too. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. I like the part where Madison Clark, uh, she's the character played by Kim Dickens, you know, the school counselor and this kind of pitiful guy brings up, uh, it looks like a steak knife. It's not even a very much of a knife, right? Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, dude, you know, they're the picking on you. You know, we've been working so hard and, uh, you know, you're on track for college. And he's like, no, I'm not going to college. Nobody's going to college. Um, <laughs> there's not going to be a college. So he knows. Yeah, talk about a sense of foreboding. This is it. <laughs> Embodied yeah. in that guy. Yeah. But she can't that's hear another, it yet. Right. And that's another nod to these, like, quote unquote, like, marginalized groups that are being affected and seeing this mm-hmm. before we do. Like, this is, mm-hmm. like, the outcasts of the school, more or less. Yeah, the canaries in the mine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's apparently, like, we can gather that he's being bullied and things like that. And so, for him to be one of the first ones to, like, make that connection. I think that says a lot, too, and that mm-hmm. nobody's going to believe him because, oh, he's just this weird kid that brought a knife to school. What does he know? So, and <laughs> She has this great line, well, if there was something wrong, the government would tell us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, he just looks at her like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, uh, <laughs> I'm waiting to see in that vein, though. The fundamentalist types, you know, out on the street corner just haranguing everybody. That's what I'm waiting for, you know. The end is near. And Do you know? You know, they start fulminating, you know, and yeah, carrying on from every street corner. I mean, I'm really, really sweating that out. That's what's going to be. It really could be a cliche, frankly, but I'm hoping that they treat it not like a cliche. But still, you're going to have, I would figure at least in the plotting, that you're going to encounter some characters like that, harping mm-hmm. on the end of the, you know, kind of Westboro Baptist Church types. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it'll be something like this zombie apocalypse is happening because, I don't know, because you've stopped praying or that relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be something, I'm afraid, speaking in cliches, really. It's, um, it's, God's, it's God's judgment for mm-hmm. gay marriage. You know, that's... Yeah. 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 Or yeah. all, all the unborn babies. Yeah. <laughs> It would be interesting to, to upend the cliche, really. Seriously, if if, if the writers, uh, Kirkman and the, and the other team of writers, I mean, if they would actually put in the mouths of one of those characters that this is because we've despoiled the environment or this is because we've done this, that, and the other and made war, that would be sort of an interesting take on that, you know? Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. What you were saying about uh, coming up on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina and then speaking about... Uh, cliches why haven't why haven't there been like a zombie movie made about hurricane katrina you figured it's going to be a perfect setting <laughs> well and they've got this eerie six flags ghost um, oh jazz land well it was jazz land for the yeah. first couple of years and then six flags bought it up and relabeled it and then mm-hmm. katrina hit and it's closed and i mean mm-hmm. it looks like zombies could be cruising around mm-hmm. through there you know it's it's uh, ruined, and I was wondering the other day, why don't they set a movie there, you know? Uh, <laughs> a, a zombie movie would be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, that, just, that made me think of it. <laughs> we may be giving ideas to people here. If you want you know, contact us if you're if you're interested, and we'll <laughs> sell you That's some ideas. Yes, give us a cut of the profit. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But no, that that is. I mean, I, I think I, I'm really impressed the way that they're using um, again these marginalized characters to kind of foretell something is is you know rotten in Denmark, so to speak. But also just the the, the way that the writing is 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 constructed. I mean, they, that you can tell that they put some. I mean, this sounds self-evident, but really, being a fiction writer myself, I can tell you it takes some real effort to try to to plot out 
you know, not only the story itself, but to create these really believable characters. Because let's face it, I mean, you can get into all the um, the horror of the narrative, but really the narrative works because the, we care about the people, and we care about them because they're human. You know, they're yeah, believable. There, there are whole shows, like um, I watch Hawaii Five Us, the new reboot, and they are always killing off rather, you know, if not main characters, at least their spouses or fathers or something. And, um, but the show doesn't do a very good job of making you care that this happened. You know, they, it's just gratuitous killing. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they haven't made the characters real enough that you mourn their loss. Um, whereas in Walking Dead, you know, there's some people that you really love that die. You know, and mm-hmm. grieve over these, uh, like Herschel dying. Uh, who is kind of the spiritual leader of the group for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, then when he's dead, people really were upset that Herschel was dead. Yeah. So, I, you know, they took the first 90 minutes more or less to get to know these characters. Then toward the end of it, it started ramping up some, like... Uh, they get stuck in a traffic jam, and you can't hear what's going on, but you can, I mean, you can't see what's going on, but you can hear shots being fired. Mm-hmm. And let's go another way home, and how do we find out what happened? Well, that's where the YouTube video comes in, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's um, it's always like one step removed from the reality at this point. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that kid when he was in the hospital is his name Kurt. I'm still getting to know the characters. Nick. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought when that old guy started, uh, you know, he was in the oh, when he was coding thing. in the hospital. Yeah, and I thought that guy was going to go zombie and come over and try to eat him, but then they took mm-hmm. him out of the room, so it would happen mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. But I they are wonder how many. I wonder how many uh, zombie cases that hospital has been faced with so far. Like it's just now happening. I wonder if they're like trying to figure out what sort of like infection it could be or something, and they're just kind of hopeless at this point. All right, because uh, it's never been really clearly defined. Whether it's you know zombies or virus or prion disease or what exactly is it that does this? Um, And, um, you know, at one point they had the CDC in Atlanta, but then he blew himself up, you know, so whatever science you could do there, you can no longer do there because it's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe since this is a prequel, more or less, we'll see a little bit more of that uh, scientific side of people, like, starting to gear up to do this research on this zombification. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, This this kind of vaguely reminds me of that, um, was it a, and I don't know, maybe, maybe the two of you followed it. It, was it an HBO or a Showtime program? But anyhow, um, that series was it. God, what was it called? Jer- was it Jeremiah? I can't think of the name of that. Anyhow, one of the old stars of 90210 was in it. Uh, Luke Perry, I think, and then the the one son of the Cosby uh, the Cosby Show, Malcolm Jamal Warner, was the other lead. They were the two male leads in the thing, and and they were these kind of hard traveling heroes that going around trying to figure out what had caused a mass extinction event um, that had killed off everybody over the age of about 20, I think. And this the series is probably from about 10 years ago, I'm thinking. And I, and I, I didn't follow it that closely. I certainly didn't follow it when it came out. I ended up buying it, you know, after the fact on, on DVD and watching it. And it was it was pretty good, but, I mean, the payoff in the end was sort of mediocre, I thought. But they, they finally came down to the conclusion that it was some sort of a I think a virus, a virus or bacteria that, that caused it, and I think it got out of a government laboratory or something. Um, so they, you know, were on this, uh, but this is, you know, at, at the end of the series, I guess when they proved this pretty conclusively, but they, they wind up going on this big quest 
you know, to try to figure out who caused what, but then really try to figure out what, who are they as people, and then how do they fit in the society, this, this post-apocalyptic society. Yeah. Well, you know, at the beginning, when there are only a few zombies and society is still functioning, it can kind of handle that. It's almost like a body handling infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's in, at some point you reach a tipping point, and I imagine right. we'll, over the next five episodes where, um, you know, the things that are supposed to protect you, like the police and paramedics and fire department and army, they get overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, you know, if it's one old guy coding, then the then the staff of the hospital can handle it. Mm-hmm. But when he bites a couple of them and they bite a couple and all of a sudden the right. staff is turned, um, it, there's no handling it anymore. It's a, it's like yeah the same effect in that film Twelve Monkeys you remember where right. they um, and it's based on this this French little short film uh, La Jete I think is the name of the thing but anyway they, the world has has experienced its own mass mass death in the form of this plague and it and it has been transported I think by a, a guy getting aboard a plane and when he gets off his plane all these other people get infected and it just starts with this a multiplier effect and everybody he's come in contact with in turn comes in contact with more people and then the plague spreads all over the world and it wipes out what is it I think only about a percent of the population survives out of about six billion six and a half billion people or something I mean it's a huge death rate you know it's almost right. almost inconceivable really and I'm assuming this is going to go the same route you know it's going to be some mass you know mass extinction mm-hmm. Excited. <laughs> I love uh, series and movies and things like that that uh, show like the collapse of a society like real time more or less. Like I like mm-hmm. to watch the process of everything falling apart. Right. It sounds very terrible. It's almost documentary. <laughs> it's like a documentary style, you know. Right. The events happen already, in real time. Yeah. That's already like destroyed and like in the original Walking Dead series when you just wake up and everything's already gone to crap. And, like, there's no way you can fight to, like, retain normalcy or anything. It's like, okay, this is my new reality. I just have to adapt. Whereas right. in this series, you're The Walking Dead. You're right. going to have these characters trying to be like, oh, my God, there are zombies happening, but I have to go to school. <laughs> <Things Right. like laughs> We've got to teach. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's happy. the 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 addition of the real time I think really makes it. You know, you are seeing it unfold as the characters themselves see it unfold. Mm-hmm. So you're you're sort of almost like a almost like a participant in the drama in a way. You know, at least it gives that illusion. You know, they're coming for you, Barbara. Et cetera, et cetera. In the Walking Dead, there's this episode where uh, Daryl goes to the country club. <laughs> And Daryl's this uh, kind of redneck who's never been in a place like this. And he's just stuffing a duffel bag full of jewelry and money. And, you know, um this girl that's with him um, says, what, what are you doing with that junk? You know, because the things that are important in our economy have no place in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that you barter things that are truly valuable, like food and water, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guns that you can kill. Fuel, fuel as well to run fuel, a you know yeah. run a vehicle of some sort. Yeah, but gold and jewels really have lost their value. And medical supplies too. Yeah, medical supplies are really valuable. Mm-hmm. Right, they still want the jewels and they still want the money. And by the end of the episode, Daryl's sitting uh, a pack of $100 bills on fire. So, uh, you know, he's feeling just this idea of all this money, you know, that I never got to be around. Um, and now I can, but it has no value. Because that world is gone. Well, then then you get the another old literary theme coming up, the old illusion versus reality, right? Where the you know the the illusion is that oh this, these things are valuable these things are whatever they're they're priceless uh, sort of like a, a somebody's card or whatever their 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 bank card and you find out after the fact that yeah this stuff really is not priceless the reality is 
that that there are things that matter more, including then the intangibles. You get past the medical supplies, the fuel, and the food, the water, et cetera, and then you get to people's relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. You know the things that are really really valuable, and I, I expect that they'll be exploring that in a lot greater detail. Uh, you know, right. the, you know these these people that you would think would 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 stand by you in a crisis may not, and the people that may you know, you wouldn't think would stand by you, end up do standing by you. They end up, you know, you, you form a kind of, a, a, really a, a community of a sort, I would think. Well, you got to watch that last night where the uh, dad figure, I think they're, I don't think they're actually married, right? They're just living together? Yeah. Right, right now they're just living together. Right. Anyway, whatever you call that, um, believe me, um, and basically say, okay, you're not crazy. I went there and there's something up. Uh, and so that becomes a kind of bonding moment. Mm-hmm. So they're going, you know, you, I guess in the apocalypse, you have to either get together or it makes those tensions even worse and you wind up, you know, turning against each other in really self destructive ways. Right. I'm really fascinated by the numbers of films right now, and fiction for that matter too, printed fiction or or e-fiction where the writers are using a zombie infestation of some sort to, to, you know, describe the end of the world or at least to portray the end of the world because you look back to our age, Bruce, and it was all the nuclear, it was always a nuclear threat, you know, it was always this nuclear sword. This, that was sort of hanging over everybody's head, uh, and the thing was wait, waiting to drop at any time. And I mean, even, everywhere you looked, it was in TV, uh, in various you know dramas like by Dawn's Early Light. You know, it was in. Uh, there's a great British, Doctor, uh, huh? Doctor Strangelove. Doctor Strangelove, yeah, and, and then the you know the Bond films. Every time you turn around, there's a Bond film where somebody like Thunderball is a good one, but also even Octopussy, one of the later uh, Roger Moore entries, where the, you know the guy's about to detonate a a nuclear device on, a, on an American base over in West Germany, then West Germany. But then you see it elsewhere, too, like on, like I said, on the big screen. You see it in fiction every time you turn around and uh, fail safe, you know, the, the basis of the film. You see it everywhere else. So that was the big the big bad, so to speak, was the nuclear threat. Um, and now we have the, the zombie threat. <laughs> uh. Well, and they can be metaphoric for so many things. Right, they, exactly. I think they move off the drug thing, but... You remember where the girlfriend was eating this person's face? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was making the rounds in the news, you know, a year or two back when uh, people were taking bath salts in Florida and eating people's faces off. And so I thought that was kind of a... A nod to that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, at the beginning, that's what he thinks. Did you give us bad drugs? Is that what made mm-hmm. her do this? Um and, uh, he needs to call a trial lawyer. <laughs> and like I say, all of the zombies this time, except the guy in the street that we saw in the YouTube uh, video, but the, the zombie at the beginning and the zombie at the end are both connected to Nick's drug use. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was the girl he got high with, and the other was his drug dealer. Right. Cal- Calvin, was it his name? I think that's yeah. it. And he and Calvin... Kevin's trying to kill him because he thinks he's going to narc on him. Right, turn and snitch. So they they wrestle over the the uh, the gun and Kevin gets shot. And then by the time he gets back with his parents, he's turned into a zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which obviously, thinking backwards, means that he's already infected or contaminated or something. Something's already oh, happened to him to be. That's know, a that's a really good point because the old guy dying in the bed. If he doesn't have that disease, then he could just die and stay dead. But right. once you have that germ inside you and it's, you know, latent, then when mm-hmm. you die, no matter how you die, you turn into a zombie. And mm-hmm. so that's what happens to him. So he was already infected with it. Yeah, he had to be. He had well, to we be. Don't, we don't know how universal that infection is just yet. Mm-hmm. I wonder if so, uh, through this series we'll see the like virus or infection or whatever it may be. I wonder if we will 
see it mutate some. I wonder if things will start changing to keep the characters on their toes. Like they may get used to dealing with one type of zombie and then somebody gets zombified in a way that they didn't realize was possible because this thing is mutating and changing. So I think that would be really interesting. But it may be a little bit too intense for this series. I don't know. They might not have time to go into that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, six episodes is not a lot of time. That's that's literally just a month and a half worth of episodes. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to be really selective about what they put in here and what they leave out. But you you did say that they have an option for for a second season. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have a firm commitment to it. Um, And I, you know, if it gets as popular as The Walking Dead, it could well be on for years and years. True. And if people like Mickey enough, they may keep him around. It it seems to be like um, Jesse from um, um, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the drug addict that got Mr. White into the drug scene so he could, you know, he had the connections to sell the, the mess that they were making. Um, but he was supposed to die at the end of the first season and they liked him so much that they kept him around for the whole, the whole run. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, they almost killed the Golden Goose, right? He won't have much choice but to get off the drugs, because the drugs won't be coming for much longer. Yeah. And that's something that you don't really think about, too, with uh, zombie apocalypse situations. Usually the focus is on a main cast of, like, like, most of the time, the people that we see in the movies are very privileged. They're well off enough to be able to find things like guns or weapons or shelter and things like that. But what about the like numerous drug addicts that are living on the street and all of a sudden they can't get their fix anymore so right. they're going through withdrawal symptoms while zombies are coming after them and things like yeah. that mm-hmm. what about sick people in hospitals what about people in mental institutions older people like too that? right absolutely like it's something that you don't really think about because you're so focused on what are the people like me going to be doing how are the people like me going to be handling stuff so we don't really think about people that aren't like us, I guess. So I think I would like people to elaborate more on those people, I think. This is a distinct contrast. You remember, Bruce, the old film, The Omega Man, with with Charlton Heston? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is actually pretty hysterical to me, frankly. I sat there (laughs) laughing through most of it. But, you know, and you have have a situation. I mean, it's, it's based on the... The last, this earlier film with Vincent Price, The Last Man on Earth, which is in turn based on a novel, I Am Legend, which is actually a pretty good novel. And well, the, the, Will Smith remade it. More exactly. Yeah, he he made it. He made yeah. Exactly. He made another movie of it as, as well. And so I mean, the, the thing has been a real chestnut in terms of, of fiction about the end of the world. And the Vincent Price one is, you know, you got these. It's, it's somewhat similar. You got these characters shambling around in this kind of post-industrial world, you know, some germ has gotten out or something, and they're, his characters are more vampiric, I guess, because he winds up in the in the, in the, in the yeah. price flick, he has to drive, the, I've got a, a print of that thing here at the house, and he's, in that thing, he's got to drive a stake through their heart, a la, you know, Dracula-esque sorts of, you know, means of killing, in order and to get them out of the picture. They can't stand the sunlight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that, that 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 same motif persists into the Heston film as well, where the the family is this you know bunch that's that's out killing all the you know all the last you know, this last man character and anybody like him. So it, it does have some kind of rough parallels to this you know zombie apocalypse. But this this thing to me personally seems to be a lot better carried off. Uh, and, and and back to the Heston one, that was that was a microbe. You know, his character in flashback goes back and he he recalls for some of the characters that this was a a war was it between Russia and China. Anyhow, the the microbe got out, it got out of the test tube, out of the lab, so to speak, and then it infected everybody else. And then you had all these you know kind of quasi undead characters roaming around the city, uh, New York apparently. And again, they're more vampiric than anything else. They're not exactly zombies because they do have rational faculties. You know. Mm-hmm. And these zombies <laughs> have, have no rational faculties. They just have this insatiable appetite for human flesh. Mm-hmm. Yum. Oh, yes, delicious. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one thing that I'm interested in, uh, the opinion of you two, I think we've 
talked a lot about things that we enjoyed about the pilot episode, but did you see anything in the pilot that you did not like or that you disapproved of or you didn't think that they did a very good job with? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Did you think of anything, Stephen, that you really didn't respond to? Uh the the genre y'all follow this genre probably more than I do in terms of just following it I, I have never been and it's nothing against it per se I just have never followed horror type um, you know fiction as much as some people have um, that being said I mean I I thought they executed it pretty well one thing I didn't like as much was some of the camera work at the beginning and this is not this is not always the case but some of the camera work at the beginning those tones were so i mean they they were good in terms of conveying mood but they were so dark at times and it may have been just our tv but i was having a hard time seeing some of it mm-hmm. um so it, it, it was so dark but i mean again and i think they're doing that for a reason again they're trying to portray that grim gritty very frightening world frankly um so i may be just quibbling about nothing there um but I mean, it, like I said, overall, I, I, as far as like, if I rated the thing, I would give it probably a three star out of four, maybe maybe three and a half star out of four. But I'd say a good stern three three out of four stars, as mm-hmm. far as a pilot goes, because I thought it was solid. And and that's that's coming from somebody that does, again does not follow the horror horror type genre. I'm more into adventure and mystery kind of stuff than I am into horror. Well, and I think pacing for both this and The Walking Dead. Um, you know, in a lot of the Walking Dead episodes, you just, just have, like, piles and piles of zombies. But another one, you spend the whole hour just sitting in a room talking to each other. And, um, you know, that you can be wanting more zombies, you know. And, uh, but I think I think it was a smart choice. You don't want them to start up going 90 miles an hour. You know, you want it to be mm-hmm. a nice, normal day. We're having orange juice. And, right, a, a slow build-up, yeah. Um, you know, working on the plumbing. So um, I don't think we would want it to be like that for the whole run, but I think, you know, it's probably a wise way to start. I'm hoping that we'll have more and more zombies as time goes on. <laughs> Never have enough zombies. <laughs> but I did like I did like the questionable zombies, like this person standing in the middle of a field with a funny-looking hat on. Is that a zombie, or is that just a person? You know, and you, yeah. we don't know. Cause they that, part, uh, that part where uh, Madison is, uh, she, like, goes to the principal's office to talk to the principal, and he's, like, Hunched over at the uh, the mm-hmm. system, and right, he's unresponsive, right. and you you're thinking like, oh my god, he's he's gonna zombie out on her or something, mm-hmm. like that kind of build up, and you get so worried, and then he's just listening in, and it's all fine. I right. like that too. <laughs> kind of a false, kind of a false climax. Yeah, I like that. That was actually very oh, yeah. effective. Yeah. yeah, I like that part too, uh, because you know there will be times when those artists zombies swim over, right? Like. <laughs> I think um, I didn't really have any complaints. Like I said uh, pretty much at the beginning, I thought that this was, like, a really good pilot. I've, um, I did, too. On the website that I watched this on, and since I didn't get to watch it on AMC and it aired, um, all of the comments were people saying, like, oh, this is such a terrible pilot. It's it's awful. Like, I'm not going to watch this series and things like that. And I really they didn't really give me any evidence as to why they felt this way. But I really enjoyed it. I think that probably my only like complaint, more or less, is that so far I'm not a big fan of Travis's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, he's just—I I guess like they just haven't really elaborated on him yet and his story. And I'm sure they'll get to it when they do. I'll probably like him, but at this point, he's just kind of boring, and he's almost annoying in his like. Oh, I have to be the perfect stepfather and the perfect husband because my last marriage failed so horribly. Mm. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, right. whatever. Get to the zombies. <laughs> I did like the the dynamic with the with the young uh, couple characters, mm-hmm. uh, the sister and the boyfriend, because they really portrayed that that kind of teenage, you know, because she's she's apparently going into college, and I guess he's a young artist, 
And you've got these two young people who are trying to find out who they are. I mean, this is what young people do. This is what we all did when we were that age. And that could be potentially a really a really affirmative and yet a very heartbreaking kind of story. If something ha- really, if something happens to one or both of those characters. So it's a, it's a good setup, right. I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm so worried about the boyfriend character because last we heard of him, they planned to meet at the beach or whatever, and he never showed, and now he's, like, not responding to any of her messages. So I'm mm-hmm. very worried oh, that he's right. become a zombie. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It could be it could be that he is, or it could be he's, it's another one of those kind of a false, you know, sort of a false climax or a false payoff or whatever. Right. And um, in her text messages to him, you can, like, see that she's, while she's sending them, while she's waiting for him at the beach, uh, she texts him and she's like, where are you? I'm here. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mm-hmm. respond. And she says, you better be dead. Oh, my as God. In, like, <laughs> as in, like, I can't believe you're not here. You stood me up. You better be dead or else I'm going to be so mad at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, hmm, wouldn't that be funny if, you know, he really was <laughs> dead. <laughs> Gallows humor. Okay. Gallows humor. Yeah. But well, I hope that... Yeah, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, I figure that that, 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 that that relationship is going to be kind of a one of those fork-in-the-road kinds of things. You know, it's going to go one way or the other. It's not going to be just a neutral sort of thing that they walk off into the sunset and live happily ever after. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I'll be real surprised if it does. Oh, the kid was right, the one in the... Um, in the office, and nobody's going to college. Yeah, nobody's going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like the yeah. fact that he is this um, kind of nerdy kid with some computer skills, and he's following what the mainstream news doesn't put on yet. Mm-hmm. But he's looking at these reports coming up from below. You know, like it's broken out in several places in the country, and we don't know what the non-corporate media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you and I harp on all the time, Bruce. But yeah, it's he the listens, non-corporate media. He listens to podcasts. Or goes on That's right. He listens to Democracy Now. <laughs> but I don't know. What do you think? Would the government and the media be more likely to whip up hysteria or to try to ignore it? Because uh, you remember when Ebola... Yeah. We had an Ebola palooza about a year ago. Um... But a lot of that was tied in with the um, congressional elections of the fall. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there yeah. were people trying to make us afraid so we would vote for them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's circumstance. It's a function of the circumstance, I think, and maybe even a function of the of the time in which it's happening too. If it's a yeah, the day time. The, the day after the election is the last we ever heard of Ebola. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think if it's an election year, you get a lot more. Um, attention paid to it, but if it's not, you know, if there's nothing in it, then they may try to keep something like that quiet for a while while they get I a think, handle of it. I think they would try to probably keep it quiet. With uh, with the Ebola scare, it was interesting because they were they were hyping it up so much and making it sound like, you know, if you don't wash your hands every five minutes, you're gonna get Ebola. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the whole thing was that only a handful of professional people had been even exposed to this disease, let alone, like, actually contracted it. And I think that since that this, like, zombie apocalypse type thing is, right now it's kind of moving a little bit slowly, but it's moving way faster than the Ebola outbreak that we had. Right. Moving at the speed of zombies. I think, yeah. (laughs) I think that they'll probably not make such a big deal about it because it doesn't stand to benefit any political person or any sort of like group of people. I think it's something that's going to negatively affect everyone, so I don't think that the media is going to use it to its gain, but I could be wrong. It brings up the um, the whole business with the Ebola, and I'm thinking about the one of the current uh, Republican presidential nominees, uh, Chris Christie, you know, having that Big tent and all the apparatus thrown up to to you know test the young woman and keep her in quarantine for however long the period of time was and of course she was Ebola free as you recall and I can't even think of her name the nurse 
Right. And she was from was she from Maine, I think, and had anyhow she had you know come back into the country maybe through New Jersey. Anyhow, they kept her there essentially against her will. Yeah. And 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 you had some imagery like this that was actually on face. If you if you just wrench this thing out of a context, or maybe maybe even tie it to the context of this of this uh, fear fear of the Walking Dead, it's actually kind of frightening looking with these people in these hazmat looking suits, and you have all the you know the the tubes and so forth hooked up to the woman, and or just all this other business. Then you had the young woman over in Texas too, uh, the other nurse. Uh, I mean, this is, is is very scary looking, and 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 I'm sure you're going to see more of that in future episodes. Of, you know, people racing the clock, so to speak, to try to get to the the cause of the of this of this zombie outbreak. Again, be it a germ or, or you know bacteria or virus or prion or whatever. So you're probably going to see some of that very kind of imagery of people trying to you know down the road particularly fighting for the survival of the human race. Oh yeah. Well, none of the main characters. In this episode, were first responders. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if we'll get some of those at some point. It would be interesting to follow the doctors and researchers who are trying to figure this thing out, but I don't know that we'll get that. Mm-hmm. That comes back to that six uh, that six episode, you know, sequence that they've got. And I, 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 I'm assuming that they're using this first whole first season as a tryout kind of a thing. Yeah. As opposed to doing the, what did you say, that the normal seasons are about 10, 10 to 12 episodes, something like that? I think so, and I think they'll have more than six next year if they keep doing it. Yeah, I think that uh, season one is supposed to be like six episodes or whatever, and then season two is supposed to be like 15 or something. So over yeah. But. And I wonder if they'll stay in the urban area. Like, um, you know, we've we've had... People venture into Atlanta, but they always leave, and they're like the country mice, so they should be the city mice, and they're <laughs> out running. Hmm. If, there, if, if, if this is happening that quickly, like in the original series, it's happened where the guy wakes up in the aftermath of the actual apocalypse, and so he's having to deal with life as it now is as opposed to life as it was. Then I'm curious. So he he's waked up. What is it? A few months after everything went down, or is it further? Out I don't know that? how long he was asleep. I've read three months. I've read one month. But you know, it seems rather likely that your wife would find out you're dead and be shacked up with some other dude after one month. <laughs> three months. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a short time, though. It's not like Rip yeah. Van Winkle, where it is twenty no, years no, no, no. or. Or, or like, or like Planet of the Apes, right? Where it's about, it's about a thousand years or so that they, you know, Taylor wakes up, or I say wake up, and they come out of suspended animation slash cryogenic suspension, and their their spaceship is about to crash on this, you know, strange planet that turns out to be Earth in the far future. Uh, and so it's not a. No, this is just weeks. It's not. Yeah. It's not even really months yet. Um, I guess a couple of three months, but not enough. Not much time has passed. Mm-hmm. I um I wonder if in Fear the Walking Dead we will be able to pinpoint like at what point in this new series that the main character of the original series like fell comatose or whatever. Like I wonder if we can see the parallels like, that much. I wonder if they'll kind of uh you know make a nod to when he fell asleep. Maybe the actual actor will come back and we'll see him. I don't know. That would be really mm-hmm. interesting. So. Mm-hmm. The problem is that uh, they're so far away. I mean, Atlanta and uh, California are not that far apart right now, but once civilization collapses, it may as well be on the moon. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they'll be able to hold on to a little more in L.A. than they were in Atlanta. Like, um, theoretically, they keep a little more of their civilization. Although, as you look at the, uh, the teasers, where the city catches on fire and the power goes out, I have a whole lot of hope that that's mm-hmm. going to happen. <laughs> yeah, this brings up that whole thing we talked about last time about the the sudden collapse of modern civilizations as opposed to being this long, slow goodbye. You know, right. It's not mm-hmm. going to be a long, slow goodbye. It's going to be pretty catastrophic. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty quick. With it right now. What's that? You have to deal with it, and you have to deal with it right now. There's no yeah. time to think or prepare. Mm-hmm. Well, and basically, the people have been getting by by gleaning. They aren't even to the point that they're really starting a new civilization. You know, they, um, in one season, scavenging, the scavenging woods. You know. Yeah, yeah. They, they plant a garden one season, but before the cops really come in, they get thrown overrun by zombies. Um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about The Walking Dead. In uh, this last season, they found an enclosed community, and they probably have something going on. But um, I think they may even have a little power at times. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to sit here and, and juxtapose this series with the new Planet of the Apes series. Um, since that's the other big prominent apocalypse that you know not only lives in the, m- the memories of these fans, but it really is, has been rebooted over the past you know say ten years or so. Right, right. And it and has been has been pretty successful too. Um, so there is definitely an appetite for this kind of fiction, you know, being you know again being put in print or being put into uh, TV you know productions or film you know big, slash big screen kinds of kinds of uh, media. Right. I think that would be really interesting. Is there a new Planet of the Apes series? Like, is, it a, is there a television series? Or just a movie. Yeah, right now it's just, just a big a, screen. Yeah, it's just a big yeah. screen thing. Uh, but movie. interestingly enough, was was caused by some, you know, they were looking for an Alzheimer's cure. And that, so it's it's created the, the, the thing that mutates the apes comes out of the laboratory. Um, mm-hmm. So it's this whole idea that is, you know, reason really is going to save us? You know, again, it's, it's another critique of the Enlightenment. Well, and the, that's... The thing about, like, this would be a good time to bring up the difference between a movie or even a series of movies versus a TV series. Right, right. You really have a lot more time to unfold a theme. Um, It's like a TV series can be more like a novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the individual chapters, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Walking Dead, and it looks like Walking, Fear the Walking Dead, have gone far is uh, these kind of slower developing arcs. So you don't have to get everything done in the first hour and a half because after that the movie's over. Um, you know, the yeah, the movie's a one-off started. unless unless if it's Bond, like you and I are talking. If it's Bond or Indiana Jones, it's a different story. But but even those don't. You know, each of those is kind of self-contained. Uh, kind of, sort of, but now you do get like in the the indie that tetralogy, you do get some real development. You know, the first one takes place, Raiders takes place in thirty five or thirty six or something. It's it's in the thirties, you know. And then the next one takes place maybe a little after. Then anyhow, the, by the by the last one, you know, the Crystal Skull is taking place in the fifties. You know, the car it opens up, the car is riding along, and they're they're, they're listening to early rock and roll on the radio. Right. So it's clear that the thing has moved in something at least mimicking real time or trying to mimic real time. Uh, and, and Indy is much older. You know, he's older by 20 years, roughly, 20, 25 years, you know. Well, and Harrison Ford was getting cut along with it, too. <laughs> yeah, he had, well, he had said that. I'd read some interviews, and he had said, you know, I, I'd love to play Indy, but I, I wanted understood that he's going to be played as a middle-aged man. He's not going to be a youngster anymore. Right. They were, cool, they were cool with that, and it turned out to be a very good film. I mean, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the series. I mean, it's, you know, I think those things are sort of the Cadillacs of adventure filmmaking, those indie, indie films. But I mean, he he was very upfront about that. I'm going to play him as a middle-aged guy. He's not going to be some youngster that's you know a 30-year-old college you know uh, professor. <laughs> you know, he's he's older and he it's not the what is it? It's not the years, but the mileage. Is that what he said in one of the films? I can't remember how he put yeah. it, but I mean, it was it's clearly both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's you know, and, and the, these things, this this Walking Dead. If it's going to unfold in real time, and you're going to have again this long series of episodes, or even a short series of episodes, you can do a lot of things right. with, with a series that you cannot do with a film. Uh, and that's right. not to put film down. It's just again, it's a different art form. Well, we would have been able to spend five minutes getting to know the family before things yeah. started flowing up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> instead of a good probably hour. Um, All right, well, do y'all have any, I see we've been doing about an hour. Do y'all have anything else 
you wanted to mention about the first episode? Not Final particularly. Um, I'm excited for the next one. I actually, I wasn't sure how I would feel about the series. Uh, before I watched the pilot, I was honestly kind of dreading it because I was under the impression that I wouldn't really enjoy it and the pilot probably wouldn't interest me, but I'm actually already invested and I can't wait for the next episode, so bring it on. <laughs> what, what are your friends saying about it, Quinn? Are they, have you like, texted anybody? Nobody's or? watched it yet. Unfortunately, oh, wow. I've been trying to get people to watch it. I've been like, hey, you know, I'm I'm doing this podcast, so you should probably watch this and also listen to this podcast because mm-hmm. you're my friend and it's required of you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there will be a test on Tuesday or whatever. Yes, pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Savvy may get into it because of her uh, survivalist background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, the yeah. prepper, the prepper sort of. <laughs> yeah, you know, we need yeah. to maybe bring her back on uh, for, for for the next go around and get her kind of take on it. Mm-hmm. Well, for Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast. I'm Bruce McGee. I'm Steve Payne. I'm Quinn Warner. And uh, we hope you'll join us again next week as we review episode two. Bye mm-hmm. for now. Bye. Bye-bye.